my subject for the night is a subject that is dear to my heart because I'm having some wonderful recalibrations of my understanding about the subject of faith. And so God has given me a subject and I call it faith, the anti super saint substance. Okay. The anti super saint substance. At times the concept of faith has occurred to me as a concept that is quite intimidating. Having it and using it seemed to be a very daunting task from my listening to different messages. When I've heard of faith, it was in the context of a young David fearlessly standing his ground in defense of his father's sheep against a bear and a lion and killing them in succession with his bare hands. Had it been my, uh, my situation, my dad probably would have been startled by a breathless me running into the tent and nervously sputtering, Dad, you might want to recount the sheep. At least two of them are gone. <laughs> See, what happened was this bear showed up for lunch and then this lion, and I heard the voice of the Lord say to me, unless you want to be lunch and dessert, run now fast and don't look back. And Dad, I don't want you to be sad because I was eaten to death, so I did as you taught me. I obeyed the Lord and ran. <laughs> So that is the sometime when I listen to these powerful sermons, I'm like, I can't match up to that. So I would have abandoned sheep and got out of there. From a youngster, I learned about faith through power-packed sermonic accounts of that same David in a WWE primetime Israeli versus the Philistines match going up against a giant named Goliath. The book of Samuel records young David running an errand for his dad, to the front line of the war to bring some food and refreshments to his enlisted sons. There, David hears Goliath's challenge. He's shocked to find the warrior king and all the decorated adult male warriors, including his brothers, cowering in fear at the sight and sound of this disrespectful, uncircumcised giant. David hears that whoever is willing to accept the giant Goliath's challenge and succeeds in killing him on behalf of Israel will be free of taxes forever and get to marry the king's beautiful daughter. David quickly accepts the challenge, respectfully refuses the king arm, king's armor, takes his sling and five smooth stones, and with one stone kills the giant. My God, look at faith. It is highly likely that had I been the central character, that story, story would have read differently. I would have taken those sack lunches from my dad, arrived on the scene, delivered those peanut butter sandwiches to my brothers, asked how things were going on the front line, heard what was the prize was going to be, looked at the girl, looked at the giant, and said, good luck, guys. King's daughter's a fox. I know one of y'all is going to be real happy. Going to make a great husband and wonderful son-in-law to King Saul. Wish I could hang out and chat with y'all. Got to go, got to go. Dad's expecting me back to help him funeralize and bury some dead sheep that a lion and a bear killed the other day. Then pouring the words of Snaggletooth, I would have said heavens to Mercatroyd. And in the words of Howard, deuces, I'm out. And then exited stage left. Now, I don't know about you, all of you super saints, maybe y'all would have been right there, but I don't know about me. <laughs> and great preachers introduced me to faith through their glorious account of the woman with the multi-decade issue of blood who traveled for miles and determined that if I may just touch the hem of Jesus's garment, I'll be made whole. And it happened according to her faith, just as she said. It's a wonderful story. It does build my faith, but it's also a bit intimidating. Because if it had worked according to my faith, I might have laid there sick as a dog, said to myself, if I can just wait on the Lord until his crusade comes to my town. 
I'll save myself a sweaty walk in the hot sun and get my healing right here on the couch in the comfort of my own home. (laughs) That's my thought about how I might have looked at that. And then I heard faith expressed in the life of Peter, who in the dead of night, during a storm, lightning flashing, breakers dashing, winds howling, boats reeling and rocking on the brinks of capsizing, without a life vest, unaccompanied by any of his homies, radically steps out of the boat to walk in the, for, uh, in the fog towards a ghostly figure that he, along with the other disciples, thought was a ghost. Simply on his own bold criteria, which was this, and he had to scream it loud enough to be heard. If not since, if it be you, bid me to come. Had it been me, the scripture would have read. And Michael, fastening himself securely to the stern, (laughs) cried out with a loud loud voice, oh, Lord, fellas, it's a ghost. Do something. But just in case it is you, Jesus, and this whole sequence is going to end up in the Bible. Stop the storm. Turn on the lights, make the sunshine, and have disciple Pastor Bob, Rod, and all them other disciples jump out into the water and escort you to the ship while I stand here and worship you in amazement. And that these guys were crazy enough to climb out of the boat under those conditions and that nobody drowned, including you, Jesus. All of this would have happened from the safety of the deck. Some of you may feel like I feel when I read Peter walking out, I always hear people say, why did he look down? No, my question is, why did he get out? I think it's marvelous whether he whether he didn't get all the way there. I mean, think about that. We we think of it reading it. This dude is standing boom, boom, and he walks. That's a mighty powerful thing. But I must acknowledge I may not have those credentials quite yet. I was introduced to faith through messages about Abraham. Now, this is the big one. This is the dude who God commanded to sacrifice his promised son that he had waited for for decades, had the knife raised and ready to take his beloved son's life until an angel intervened and stopped him. That's big. We say that as if it's like it's just that's how faith works. But that's big. His only son. His promised son, he was prepared to take him out. And in Romans 4.19, the writer reads, uh, writes his credentials and it says, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver. The King James says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith said he was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded, says the King James. And the new king says, fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Therefore, it was accounted or imputed to him for righteousness. That sounds like the resume of a super saint, doesn't it? And he stood there despite he staggered not. So I listened at that and I said, faith at that level sounds like it's for the elite forces. Not for an average Joe or Schmo like most of us feel ourselves to be. I'm just going to bring down some reality today to say sometimes we church people, we just go with the flow. Boy, you know, the guy's preaching and we're like, yeah, dude. But it's like the people talk about that person that says, do you believe I can walk across this thing with nothing? Yes, sir. And he goes balancing on to the other side. He comes back. He says, do you believe I can do it without this? Yes. And he does it. 
He said, do you believe I can do it again? Yes. With the trash barrel or what do you call it, the wheelbarrow, he goes to the side. Believe I can come back? Yes. Do you believe I can do it? I saw you do it. He said, get in the barrel. No way. <laughs> Why? Because we have that faith of it as a possibility, but we don't like to be on the line for it. I know I don't. But let's examine Abraham, who's sounding right now like a super saint, a little more closely. And I'm, you all please forgive me, because I just remembered that generally he likes you to stand for the word, but I got the word all mixed up in this thing, so you'd have to be popping up and sitting down. So please don't tell on me. Just let me do my message, and I'll go back home, okay? <laughs> let's, let's examine Abraham a little more closely. We learn in Genesis eleven twenty six. now, Terah lived 70 years and begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. We discover in Joshua 24, 2, that Terah and his sons, including Abram, worshipped idols or other gods. In Genesis eleven thirty, we learn that Abram's wife, Sarai, was barren, incapable of bearing a child. So brother Abram started out with some problems. He's sounding a little less super, a little more human, at least in the early stages. Amen. I'm feeling a little better about myself. He's a human there's an old song that said, Adam had him. Adam really had him. Adam had him troubles too. I don't know how bad you had him, but Adam really had him. Adam had him worse than you. Okay, it's always good to know somebody else went through something that you're going through or worse. In Genesis 12 and 1, Abram has his first recorded conversational interaction with the true and living God. It is during that moment that he receives his call. We'll call it his draft notice. And it reads like this. Now, the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is God talking to him. So he is human, but he is holding audience with God. So he's going back up a little bit towards super saint. In Genesis 12 and 7, the Lord appears to Abram again and promises him the deeds to the land in which, he reali- uh, in, in which he resides and that it will be transferable to his descendants. And in response, Abram builds God an altar and worships him there. In Genesis 12 and 8, after returning from a trip to Egypt to the location between Bethel and Ai, Abraham builds a silken altar and calls on the name of the Lord. So we're seeing a man in interaction with God. In Genesis 13, 14 through 17, God promises Abram that he will have descendants like the dust of the earth who will own all the land he sees. He's talking to a pretty early stage guy. He's a young man, so to speak. He's not old at this point. Chapter 14, we find no recorded communication between God and Abram. He's out there fighting for Lot and talking to Melchizedek and a bunch of things. So things got quiet. But in Genesis 15 and 1, the communication picks up again. And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Well, why does he tell him not to be afraid? Well, let's find out. In Genesis 15, 2 and 3, we see the first recorded time that Abram talks back to God and he talks pretty forcefully. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childish, childish? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. 
Then Abram has said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. Basically, Abram is saying, promises, promises, show me the money. I looked at that. I said, I don't know whether that's just the translation, but this is a man that says, I've been waiting a long time. None's happening. Where's the son you promised me? Now, personally, I've never been bold enough, brash enough or crazy enough to talk to God like that. But Brother Abram is running low on testosterone, time and patience. So he confronts God with somewhat (laughs) of an attitude. So in Genesis 15 and 4, the next verse, you kind of expect God to go off on Abram like he went off on Job. Job questioned God and God said, who are you? And where are you? You know, if, if God was a woman, let me have a word with you. But as God being a man said, talk to me, dude. What's up? What's up with you? But he didn't do that. He gave him, he could have given him one of those President Trumpish retorts. Yeah, little rocket man. So where were you when I created the earth? And by the way, my staff's bigger than your staff. <laughs> little boy. Who are you to question me? But instead, God encouraged Abram with a reminder that he was aware of his testosterone issue and all the biological clocks that were ticking because Sarai's was going too, all right? He was right there with him. He understood. Here's what the scripture says. And the word of the Lord came to him, Abram, saying, this one, this boy that you had, shall not be your heir. I'm sorry, this servant shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Promise again. So let's review this, this backstory of Abram once more. He begins his walk with God, leaving a home in which he was trained to worship idol gods. Don't forget that. Under his beloved earthly father's tutelage, his wife was beautiful, but barren. And this new God drives a Mack truck sideways into his safe, familiar system of life and worship when he instructs him, pack up, go to an unknown land that I will identify as the destination when you arrive. He doesn't tell him where he's going. Just says, pack up and go. And then God disturbs the peace by repeating these promises to him through the years with no evidence to accompany it. Think about that. So this Abram is a mortal man, but hold up. Abram holds the honor title of being the father of faith. Sounds a little super saintly to me. How about you? The father of faith. Well, let's see how he got there. He began his life as Abram. Now, Abram means exalted father. This name would have been given to him by his idol worshiping father's proclamation about his son at birth. All of us are excited about the little fella in our arms. And we know there's no way this godless man, Terah, could have known Abram's destiny. But he proudly held his newborn son in his arms and said, your name shall be called Abram, exalted father. A father can be at least three things. He can be the progenitor, which is a person or a thing from which a person's animal or plant is descended or originates, an ancestor or parent. Or it can be the originator, the inventor, creator, architect, the author. Or it can be the causal agent or agent of causation, any agent that produces an effect or is responsible for the initiation of events or results. Abraham was not the originator of faith. He was not the causal agent of faith. He was the progenitor, God's chosen servant or the agent anointed by God through which faith was introduced to the world, to mankind. 
He was the chosen guy, like Israel was the chosen people. Why was Israel chosen? Because they were great and were some rebellious, stubborn people. He said, I chose you because you were small. I chose you specifically so nobody could say they got it because they were special in terms of size, because they had a bunch of stuff. They had, they were living in a desert. God chose them. Abraham's righteousness was not his own righteousness. His righteousness was imputed, which means credited to his account as an act of God's favor. Why? Simply because God chose him because of God's goodness. Oh, keep an ear on that. Getting chosen simply because God is good. Everybody say God is good. good. I put you in line for some possibilities. God is good. In Genesis 17, 14, 17 to 4, we see that Abram was given the title father of many nations by God. It reads like this. Verse four. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. In verse five, he says, no longer shall your name be called Abram, which is what? Exalted father. But your name shall be Abraham, which means father of multitudes. Okay, the natural father, I don't know if you all watched the movie Roots, but there's that moment where Kunta Kinte holds the little bay up. Your name shall be Kunta Kinte. <laughs> you know, remember that great moment? Well, this is what the father did with your name is Abram, but God overrules his naming and says your name is now Abraham. An exalted father by a man in the flesh father of multitudes by the living God, my God. So uh, Romans 4 and 16 says, therefore it is a faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. Anybody in here of the faith of Abraham? All of us in here are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. We know that he is not the father of us all in an earthly sense. It's a spiritual sense that since God gave him the honor of being the progenitor, just like Adam named Eve, mother of all living, before she had a child. Ooh, faith at work in the garden. Continue. All right, it says, let's make sure before we go any further, after we've heard this big thing about him being called the father of us all, the father of faith, let's do a little background check on Abraham. Make sure the guy who carries the title father of faith is fully and completely vetted. Let's run him through the system and see if anything pops up. Uh-oh. Abraham, a.k.a. Abram, has a criminal record. One count of conspiracy to deceive the Pharaoh in Genesis 12, 11 through 13. Tells him it's his sister. One count of deception leading almost to Sarah's marrying an idol-worshipping secular Pharaoh, verses 14 and 15. One count of receiving abundance of wealth and goods through extreme deception, 12 and 16. Why? The king said, man, I thought she was your sister, dude. Okay, man, I'm sorry. God pointed it out. Here's some sheep. Here's some goats. Here's some stuff. Get out of here. Receiving uh, stolen property almost. One count of pain and suffering afflicted upon a head of state and his household through deception because all the women in the house became what? Barren because of Sarah. 
One count, verse number, uh, in number five, being henpecked into trying to fulfill God's promise through the flesh. Uh-oh. Genesis 16 and 3, when his wife comes and says, take my, take my maid and have a baby with her. He didn't stand up like a man and said, that's not what God told us to do. He said, yes, ma'am. Yes, dear. <laughs> One count of being henpecked. One count of aggravated pleasure with Hagar. Oh, oh, young little thing said, all right, you asked me to do this. He goes in, has a baby with her. One count of failing to intervene on behalf of and fully defend an innocent surrogate mother and who was his second wife. When the wife says, I don't want to hear anymore. And he said, do what you're going to do, (laughs) whatever you want to do with her. And not only that, here's some cheese and some water. See ya. The father of faith. Oh, my. One count of laughing at the possibility of God fulfilling a young man's promise in an old man after a name change from Abram, exalted father, to Abraham. He's still committing crimes after the name change. Number nine, a second count of conspiracy, a second count of the same charge to deceive and to actually deceive a head of state regarding Sarah's identity. Go to Genesis 20 and he does it again to King Amimelech. One count of causing a near disaster for this head of state and one count of causing pain and suffering to the family of a head of state because of deception. And one count again of receiving undeserved livestock property and accommodations. The king said, listen, man, I'm sorry that this happened. He didn't do anything wrong here. Just choose any place in the land you want to (laughs) just go, just go and gave him a bunch of money to go along with it. So why is Abraham? Why is this man who is no super saint, a serial liar, fearful, who let his wife dog out his mate? How does he get the term father of faith? Romans 419 says again, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver, which means he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened. Ah, sometimes we think of strong in faith means your strong will. But I begin to discover that what makes you strong in faith is recognizing how weak you are in the flesh. Ooh. He, he was strengthened by God. But let's keep looking. He staggered not. He was strengthened in faith. What else? And being fully persuaded or convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. It was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, let me show you where we look. It says these two things don't seem to be right. It said he didn't stagger. But look at all those crimes that he committed. I named 11 or 12, 13 of them. But let me tell you something. Abraham came from a background of idol worship. Under pressure, Saul went to a witch. Abraham could have staggered back into idol worship. He could have thrown in the towel. He could have switched teams and went to the dark side. But he didn't. He gave up on it happening to him. When God said, you're going to have a child, he didn't laugh at God. He laughed at his flesh. He says, no way it's going to happen for me. But he still believed God because when he got ready to kill his son at, the, uh, at, at God's request, 
He said, if he takes him out, he can bring him back again. But at this moment, his faith was being tested and tried. God had to help him to see it's not by might nor by power, but by what? By my spirit. So this brother is not strong in faith about his own ability, which so many of us want to walk in. I can do this. I can pull this off. But he recognized I can't do it. He even laughed. Sarah laughed. Am I going to have pleasure in my old age? But he still never walked back into his idolatry. He stayed with the belief that if God wants to, he can. I don't think he's going to do it for me, but he can. I said to him to this now. Now I am seeing he is not a super saint, nor is super sainthood a prerequisite for you or me to be a man or woman of faith. Your faith is the generous gift of God which empowers you to accomplish his will in the earth, which has far more to do with delivering grace to lost people, desperate people, difficult situations and circumstances, rather than filling your garage up with fancy cars or achieving great exploits in your name for your glory. It's about God saying, like he told Mary, Mary, you're going to have a baby. She says, how? I'm a virgin. He says, Aha. That's what I wanted is an impossible situation in an available vessel. And it said the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. Everybody, the Holy Spirit is available in the world. He is available to come into our situation, into our life, into our not just to save us, but to make us brilliant lights that have bad resumes. Anybody, you may not got one like Abraham, but you got one, don't you? Oh, let me put my glasses on because I haven't seen a bunch of hands. She said both hands go up. The concept is faith is Mary's Jesus placed in her womb by the Holy Ghost, not because of her righteousness, but because the perfect, righteous, holy God came and visited the earth in the likeness of sinful flesh and saved lost humanity. God wanted Jesus in the world. He brought him through Mary. Mary had no big resume. She didn't have a great achievement. She didn't have a great education. She was a simple girl that the Holy Ghost said, you are the one. Oh my God. Let's look further. Faith is Joseph's dreams and interpretations of dreams and word of knowledge, which were downloaded into him at the key moment. The earth needed a God driven system, a righteous remedy to save the world from annihilation had nothing to do with Joseph being wonderful. It had to do with God being wonderful. He knew that there was a problem coming in the earth years before it came. He provided a vessel. That vessel was a little boy that grew up to become Joseph that had to go through a process of being put in the pit, being hated on by his brothers, getting lied on by Potiphar's wife, ending up in jail. And finally, he comes out after being forgotten by the baker. He comes out and says, I'm here. What do you need? They tell me you can tell me this dream. And then the spirit of God rises up in him and he reveals to him his dream. And I think, you know, the thing I like about God, if you're faithful with your gift, he will give you more. He started off with a dream when he was a kid that he didn't understand, but his brothers and his dad did. 
He goes on later and he tells about a dream to the baker and to the to the butler. He's still in prison. But when he got to the time when he needed, God took him beyond the gift of dreaming and the interpretation of dreams. He took him to a word of knowledge. So get a man that's full of the wisdom of God and put him over this. And the guy said, dudes, come here. Any one of y'all feel this good? No, he seems to be the baddest dude in the Yeah, let's talk. You're the man. And he said, well, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> he ended up with a whole new life because he recognized it's not me. He told the king, he said, king, it's not me, but it's God. Ooh, when we get ready to do that, we're going to learn. We're going to get really clear on it's not my Superman flesh. Say that with me. It's not my Superman flesh. Ladies, you can say Superwoman. I have no problem with that. Say it one more time. It's not my Superman woman flesh, but it's the super God that works in fallen man that he has redeemed. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry to meant to tell you all. I am not Broderick Huggins. I'm not a squalor. Ah, Lordy, I don't do that. And so I said, they better be expecting me to come in and be brief. I'm not him. I just got to teach. I drop it on you and I hope. But if you need me to do it real good, I'll run away. Ah, Lordy. Did you get it? You got it? Good. Let's move on. <laughs> Faith is David's slingshot and five smooth stones, which guided by the accuracy of God's GPS system, hits its target square in Goliath's head, smashing his forehead so hard that the hard bone that protects the frontal lobe of the brain was driven into Goliath's brain, killing him in a single blow. Faith is the gift of God for you to receive the grace directed by God's love to your heart to save you. And then he gives you some gift, some anointed action, some skill, some talent that will impact your life, your family, your community, your workplace, your state, your country, and in some cases, the world. Faith, God's substance that transforms normal men into what seems on examination because of outstanding exploits to be superheroes. Faith, God's substance not earned. Not granted based on human capacity, giftedness, elite bloodline, or anything like that. But God's gift to every man, woman, boy, and girl who will hear his voice and draw close to him at his invitation and become a vessel useful in the earth. Now, may I ask you, what do you do when God drives a Mack truck sideways into your safe, familiar system of life and worship? And promises to send life to you through a system that is barren, like he told him you're going to have a baby with a barren woman. Then he waits until you're out of ammunition to provide seed and then says, now, this is the time. <laughs> what will we do? Well, I hope, this, I hope that the challenge tonight is this. Don't walk out of here anymore thinking faith is the superhero substance for super men and women. It's the anti-superhero substance. It's made for average, normal Joes and Jills who would just say, God, I'm available. Come on now. It, can we do that? Can we afford it? God, I'm available. I don't know what it is that you want. It may not be as big as transforming the world, but it may transform someone in your home may transform the community. It might transform Newberry Park and Thousand Oaks. 
What about that? I just want you to know this. As I was writing this and I was thinking, I said, it is such, God has blessed us with such wonderful lives. We jump in cars that we can drive down hills and we, you know, if we don't have a car, we can get on a bus. If we don't have a bus, we can call Uber or Lyft. Man, life is good. But you know what? There is still a lost world that needs not super saints, but super gratif- super happy and grateful to be saved farmer sinners that have become saints because of his blood washing. Yes. Let me come down here. What God is saying and challenging us with is, I got plenty faith for all of you. For the little mother, for the grandfather. You know what's good about the, because the, like I said, I love the David story. I love it. I love the Joshua fit the battle of Jericho story. But what I like about the old situation with brother Abraham, and I got to be careful about this because my, my old mentor years ago, I, I preached a sermon that included talking about Abraham. Oh, Lord, he was advanced in years. And I said, faith is not just talking about it. After he was built up in faith, I said, there was never faith in action until brother Abraham went home to the tent, opened the doors and Pulled off his robe. My, my, my old mentor said, like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> he was like, yes, it might be a little for me. I don't know. So we're not looking for 90-year-old people to necessarily have physical babies. But it, what it tells us is at 100 years old, all the natural systems are kaput. Yeah. And God says, that is not a problem for me. You're not 90, and if you are, he's not asking you to have a baby. But what is he asking you? What is he asking me? Whatever it might be, I want to say to you today, don't feel like you don't add up because Abraham was so strong in faith. Abraham was weak in his flesh, and he realized it. And he was strengthened by the faith that he was given. Everybody said, I can be. All that God has for me to be. And then say what the scripture says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I look at the clock. It's eight o'clock. You don't get out until 830. I'm going to stop right now. So you call him and say, he didn't hold us all night long. Oh, hallelujah. Give God a hand clap if you got anything out of that. My Lord, I have preached to the God speak audience on a Wednesday night. And oh, my Lord, I just I almost feel like doing like they do on the on those. Uh, what do you call it? Those uh, television shows. And now we're going to go out in the audience and kind of find out what we found out here. And I thank God that we have heard something tonight. I've never heard it before. It came to my spirit. I've never known that list was so big about <laughs> Abraham was a cut up, wasn't he? But you know what? Thank you, Jesus. It is not about you being a super saint. It's about you serving a super God.